My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. Massive welcome to this, our 50th episode of the Mindset Mental Meets podcast. I can't quite believe that we've made it to 50 episodes already this year. We started off the podcast in April as a bit of an experiment. And here I am, the woman who very rarely finishes anything, still going and making it to 50. And what an experience it has been thus far. I have to say, I have really enjoyed it. There have been times where I have felt so, so nervous interviewing the various people that I've had the pleasure to talk to. But really and truly, your feedback and the connections that you've made as a result of this podcast makes it all worthwhile. So today, you might notice that I haven't introduced a guest, and that's because I don't have a guest with me. You are going to have the pleasure, I hope, of listening to me all the way through this wonderful 50th episode. What I have done with the help of my wonderful virtual assistant, Kath, is listened to all of those magic moments in the podcast where our guests share the secrets of success. And I formulated for you the top eight. It's a bit like you know, when you were small and you'd listen to the top 40, it's a bit like that, only I've not got 40 for you. I've got eight of them. And we're going to share these a bit later on in the show to give you an indication of kind of the most popular secrets of success, I suppose, that have come from our wonderful guests over the months. But before I do that, I want to give you a little bit of the behind the scenes about how I came to start the podcast, some of the funnier moments that I've had along the way, and just give you a bit of a sneaky peek, really, as to what the Mindset Mental Meets podcast is all about. I have had some incredible guests, and sometimes I, you know, speak to people that I've known for a long time, and I find that really, really easy. And then occasionally I'm speaking to people that I have never engaged with before. And so that can make it a little bit more challenging to dig under the skin of people that I'm only meeting for the first time over Zoom on the podcast. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. I'm going to tell you about why I'm doing the podcast, what's kind of the driving reason behind it and how I learned 
how to do it. And then I'm also going to give you some of the funnier moments of how I have coped interviewing the various guests. So I hope you'll enjoy it. It's a little bit lighthearted. We are on our way into the Christmas season. And although this Christmas season is going to be different, perhaps from ones that we've had before, I will start by wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. And I hope that you get to connect with some family members and enjoy it in this weird and wonderful world that we have come to know during 2020. So 50 episodes in. And as a life coach, one of the things that really drives me is curiosity. I am passionately curious about understanding how people tick and you know what the stories are that they have in their past that mean that they behave and think and act in the way that they do. And of course, I get to explore that through the coaching that I do with my clients, but I'm really interested in it from a leadership perspective as well. So one of the things I noticed when I worked in a corporate environment, not only about myself, but about those that I work with too, is just how often we choose to wear a mask in order to try and fit in with what we believe we need to be in order to be successful in the environment, in the corporation, in the organizations that we work in. And I've often felt about myself and indeed about looking at others that this is actually something that holds us back quite dramatically. And I think it's something that over the next few years is going to be addressed more and more as we explore this word authenticity and what it actually means. And how do you actually show up as the true version of yourself and do that without fear and without doubt that it will hold you back? Now, it's interesting looking at the top eight areas of success because a lot of them actually play into that. But one of the things I know to be true is there are many, many leaders in organizations that feel that they are not able to bring their true authentic self into the workplace. And that's something that I feel passionately about helping to change over the next few years. And it's something that when I go on to start the doctorate, later in 2021 that I am going to be exploring in more detail and doing some research around. So the curiosity was one of the reasons why I started the podcast. Some might say that I am very nosy and that's probably true. I do like to understand people a more commercial reason, I suppose, for my decision to start a podcast, because let's face it, it takes up lots of time, takes up lots of energy, attracting new guests, prepping them, you know, then actually doing the podcast and then paying for the sound engineer to work on it and then all of the work to upload it and market it and, and, and it's a little bit of an industry. But it's one that I took the decision was worth investing in from a time perspective because I am not a big fan of lead generation in the way that coaches are expected to generate leads. I have two sides to my business. I have a product-led side to the business, which is online programs, which really work in that Facebook ads 
type arena in terms of attracting new leads in and helping them work through my value ladder, as it's called, so that they can get the tools and techniques that they need and they can work through my programs. These are relatively low cost programs and therefore Facebook ads work really well for that. But when I come to look at my one-to-one coaching, you know, this is what is known in the marketing world as high ticket value service. And the way that the marketeers suggest that you go out to market and attract new leads is very much using automated systems, connecting with people cold, a bit like good old-fashioned door knocking that used to happen when I was a kid, you know, when someone would come knocking on your door and try and sell you insurance. That's very much kind of the connotation that I wrap around this new style of lead generation. And it's absolutely not what I want to be involved in. If there's one thing that I learned when I was in consulting, it's that actually creating solutions for your clients and building relationships in order to develop your business is the best way to go about it. And it's something that I'm still very much connected to. And so for me, doing things like, you know, stepping back and waiting for the clients to come to me, just putting out organic content for free via my social media channels, keeping up with networking through the channels and the people that I already know, and then the podcast feels like it's the right way for me to market me and my business. And what's interesting about the podcast is I very rarely speak about what I do and how I do it. I might put in the odd snippet here and there. But actually what has happened as a result of creating these relationships with podcast guests and their listeners is that business has just come to me as a result. And so I don't have to try very hard. It's not very overt in the way that, you know, I'm going, come and buy from me. And yet it works. And so as a marketing tool, it helps me to generate new clients. And also it gives me the ability to be curious. So it's a win-win. So that was my reason why really. But one of the things that became clear very quickly is that I had no clue how to actually do a podcast. And so I had to do lots of research to start with and understand how to use Audacity. You know, what's the best way to record? What kit did I need? What questions might I ask? What was the purpose of my podcast? And what did I want to get out of the people that were coming on as guests? Now, I know also from a podcast perspective that sound is a really big deal, particularly if you're not doing video podcasts, which I chose not to do. And so I became a little bit obsessed about the sound. And I remember doing one episode with Scott, Scott Allen from Microsoft, and we had to do this over Zoom. It was in the early days of lockdown. And there was a point where I sound like I'm underwater. And I remember hearing that and just thinking, oh my goodness, what are people going to think? What are people going to think is one of those things that I spend far too much time worrying about. And what I've realized is actually, while people do appreciate good quality sound, if you have the old blip here and there on a podcast, it doesn't really matter. I think people are really understanding about the constraints of Wi-Fi and Zoom and Teams and Skype and all of these things that we are trying to use remotely. 
And I really didn't need to fret about it quite so much. But one of the things that I did have to do was find a sound engineer to do the technology side and, you know, just make sure that the listener experience was as good as possible. I did invest quite heavily in some very fancy kit right at the start back in April with the view to doing these podcasts face to face at my office in London. And of course, then lockdown hit. So all of that fancy kit is still sitting in a bag, having been used only a handful of times. And it's sitting in a bag in my closet. And of course, now I've had to get used to podcasting over Skype and Zoom and various other bits of technology that allow us to meet remotely. And that's been a learning curve in itself. The questions were very much created, I suppose, as a means of really getting to understand the authentic version of the leader. And so they dig into the past, they dig into the lessons learned, the adversity felt, the challenges faced, and allow me to not just look at the skills and the talents of the leader, but look at the person that is, you know, behind that leader. And what do they stand for? What's their purpose? And initially, when I first started to do the podcast, I was quite wedded to the questions. And what I've noticed is that made me quite stilted as an interviewer. So I was more focused really on making sure I asked the questions that I'd asked the guest to prep for. And it was meaning that I wasn't going deep enough, I felt, into the different areas that people were bringing up. So I think in the latter half of the interviews that I've done with people, certainly in the last few months, I've managed to relax that a little bit. And, you know, we always start with the pom-poms moment. And that allows me to dig in then to various different aspects of the person's life and really just spend more time in one or two areas rather than feeling like I have to ask question after question after question. And I think The turning point for that was working on the podcast with Peter Zorn from IBM, who, you know, really elongated his answers. And I think his pom-pom moment took about 15 minutes to come through as he told these elaborate stories that were just fascinating to listen to. And what I realized then was, actually, he'd answered a lot of the questions through the stories that he was telling. And it meant that I could just let him flow and you know, ask some secondary things, which made for a much better and deeper listen. So that's what I'm trying to do now. But it just shows my learning, I suppose, as a podcast host, and not being too wedded to my initial intention, and allowing it to flow more freely, is meaning I feel much more relaxed, and therefore the guests feel much more relaxed, and we get a better conversation as a result. Now, I do feel blessed that I know a lot of people. And whilst it's lovely to meet brand new people on the podcast, it does make for a more nerve wracking situation as the host. I find it much easier when I already have a connection and a relationship with somebody, which in 70% of the cases on the podcast, that is true. But it's challenging for me and I like that challenge. And of course, as we move forward, There'll be more and more people that I don't know that I need to interview and I'm looking forward to that. 
people have started to come forward now, which I always think is really lovely. So we've had lots of people volunteering, you know, and asking to come on the podcast. People that I approached initially who said no are also coming forward now that they've listened and they know that, you know, my intention is not to expose. My intention is to showcase people as the best version of themselves, really. So I'm loving that, you know, it's allowing people to see that they can bring their best foot forward and be honest and authentic and it's not going to hurt them in any way. And what's interesting, I find, is just how many guests I need to cajole into sharing the podcast. And it's something that initially I hadn't even considered as a thing. So there are some people who, you know, the moment the podcast hits, they don't get to listen to it in advance, by the way. So the moment it hits, they're happy to share it without even listening. But there are those that a few days go by and they still haven't shared it. So I'll, you know, drop them a little line and say, have you listened? And they'll say, no, I can't bring myself to listen. And then I'll say, well, could you share it, please? Because I want it to get out into your networks because that's the purpose of it. And another few days might go by and then I might need to ask again. And I've had feedback from a handful of people who were brave enough to say, oh my God, I'm so scared about sharing this with my network because what will people think? And, you know, that What Will People Think program is one that so many of us run without even giving it a thought. But look how much it holds us back. Because when I ask them to take the brave step, and they do, what's really interesting is just how much amazing feedback the person gets from those who listened. I don't think you can truly appreciate the impact that you have on other people through the sharing of your experiences in a podcast until you start to get those messages. You know, lots of guests have had messages from their parents or from their children saying how proud they are to see this side of them that they've perhaps never seen before. Lots of people get feedback from their bosses and from the people that work from them, and indeed from colleagues that they worked with years ago, to say, well done for putting yourself out there. Well done for tackling that difficult subject, whether it be around mental health or an IVF journey or coping with cancer or dealing with self-doubt and stepping over fear, whatever it might be. And there are some really heartfelt stories that come through on the podcast that allow other people to connect with you. And not only is it people that you know and people that you have known, but also many of our guests get messages from complete strangers who connect and say, you've inspired me or you've made me think in a different way or you've touched me in some way and made me think about my own journey. So did I think that that would be the outcome that you know people would have as a result of coming on the podcast absolutely not but do you know what it is absolutely lovely to see that that is what happens and to let that leader know that they are making a difference without even realizing it it's so so special 
So let me roll back now to the beginning. I actually think I said April earlier, but I'm thinking it might have even been March when I first started. And I've got a lovely office in Holborn. It's very much set up like a therapist office. So two leather chairs. It's very posh and very relaxing. The chairs are incredible. And, you know, I don't sit there and nod and and say that it's all about your mother. So I don't quite go to that level (laughs) of therapy. But it's a great room for recording the podcast in. And it's where I invited some of my initial guests. The sound is so much better when you record in this way rather than doing it over Zoom. and, And that was my vision initially. And I remember the first guest, he wasn't actually the first episode, but he was my first guest that I interviewed was Ian Goswell, who at the time had a senior position in Easy Hotels. And I'd met him when I was consulting and I did a piece of work on customer experience for another hotel firm that he'd worked in. Now, bear in mind, right, I am really nervous (laughs) for this because this is my first episode. I'd kind of got this list of questions. I knew Ian would be very gracious because he and I got on really well. And in he comes and sits down in the chair in front of these mics that have got the pop filters on and it's all kosher. And he sits there and I've written this fabulous introduction and I start with kind of boundless energy. And then I ask him the first question and then I kind of look down at the recording device on my laptop and think, hmm. That doesn't look right. And realize as he's answering the question with gusto that it isn't actually recording. So I had to stop and say, oh, I'm so sorry. And we're going to have to start again. And he was just laughing and thinking it was very funny and was very lovely in his response to that. But oh my goodness, I was just thinking, oh, I just really don't know what I'm doing properly, even though I'd practiced. And so that one could have been a complete disaster. And then I, oh my God, I just, Pano from Pret. he's the CEO of Pret, And I really wanted to have him as the first guest on the podcast. And he's very lovely. We've had a working relationship for several months before I approached him for this. He's somebody that I, again, got to know via my consulting career. and. I remember emailing him really late one night. I don't even know what I was thinking on LinkedIn and saying, I'd really love it if you would be a guest on this podcast. I've never done it before, but I'd really love you to be the first one. And I remember jumping up and down when within about 10 minutes of me sending that note on LinkedIn, he actually replied saying, yes. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. So I um I was like dead excited. My husband's looking at me like I've lost the plot. And Hannah said to me, email my PA and let's get it arranged. So we had it arranged. It was all going to go ahead this one day. I had all of this kit that I would need to cart over to his office from Holborn into Victoria. And so I had all of this prepared for the end of the day. And Halfway through the day, his PA contacted me and said, I'm really sorry, something very urgent's come up and he can't make it. And we were just about to go into lockdown, probably three or four days ahead of that. And I was like, oh, no. And I thought, right, do I just take this no or 
do I try again? So I actually picked up the phone and I rang her and I said, oh my goodness, I totally understand about today. However, I really, really, really want Pano to be the first guest. So please, can you fit me in tomorrow? Because I'm in London tomorrow and I can come over whatever time, but please. And she got back to me within about 20 minutes and said, yep, you can come tomorrow at four o'clock and he will see you then. How amazing is that? So I then leave my office in Holborn the next day at about three, thinking I'll get there in plenty of time. And I was carrying this blinking heavy bag full of the podcasting kit. Thankfully, I had worn little sneakers that day, so didn't have heels on. And I don't really know where I'm going most of the time, if I'm honest. And so I hot foot it across London and get my phone when I reach Victoria Station. Now, I have to tell you at this point that once upon a time, I was chosen by the RAF to train as an officer. And as part of that officer training, I was chosen and passed the aptitude test to be a navigator. It surprises me even now that that was the case because I don't know one end of left and right from another. And so I exit Victoria Station and I open the map on my phone and have to do that thing, you know, where you turn the map around. And of course, when you do that on a phone, it doesn't really work because it just goes with you on the phone screen. So I kind of figured out where I needed to go and I was starting to walk towards the Pret Academy, get to the Pret Academy in plenty of time and think, brilliant, know where it is now. I'm going to go and have a coffee in the Pret across the road and then I'm not too early. So about 10 minutes before the podcast is due, I go back over the road, knock on the door, go up into the academy, go to reception. And the lady says, oh, you've been sent to the wrong place. He's actually in our head office building at the moment, which is about half a mile back over near Victoria Station. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) So had to then run from the academy with this blinking heavy bag all the way over back to the station and then try and figure out where this building was. So I arrived there in a complete stress. Honestly, I was like boiling hot, red in the face <laughs> and sort of thinking, oh my goodness, what is, what is this going to be like? And he, I remember sitting in the reception and in he comes and sort of says, oh, let me show you around. And, and thank God he did that because that, let me show you around 10 minutes, just allowed me to settle enough such that we could have a great interview. But yes, if you'd have seen me running around Victoria, you would have thought it was very funny. Then I had Ursula. So of course, lockdown hits and I've got to work out how to do a podcast in a brand new way. And all of the research said that Skype, old fashioned Skype, was the best way to record a podcast because the sound quality was better than it is on any of the other platforms. And so we started off on Skype and Ursula and I had the most amazing podcast. She's an amazing woman, Ops Director for the Banking Standards Board and one of my good friends. And she was so authentic and so brilliant during this podcast. And we got to the end of it. It was April Fool's Day, I'll never forget. And For some reason, I hung up rather than just stop recording. And as I hung up, I had this dreadful thought that in hanging up, 
I'd gotten rid of the whole podcast, not really understanding how Skype works. And of course, I rang her straight back and said, oh my goddess, you know, we're going to have to do this again. And she was like, yeah, yeah, April Fool's. And I was like, no, honestly, not April Fool's. I've lost the download. And she was like, oh, don't worry. It's still on mine. It's all good. (laughs) And of course, it was still on mine as well. I'd just gone into a blind panic. So as you can see, you know, the whole thing has been a bit of a learning journey. I mentioned at the start, it was an experiment. It absolutely has been. I haven't had a clue really what I've been doing all the way through and have just very much learned through doing and got better and better as time has gone on. I got a bit brave halfway through and decided to run a mini series of fly on the wall in my coaching room sessions and Three very wonderful ladies volunteered to be coached by me. And I showed three different aspects of my coaching style. And it's interesting, I think, that one of those episodes has had the most listens. Episode 21 with the lovely Lisa has had the most listens out of all of the podcasts. And I think that just shows that you know, there are people who are curious about adversity and the tough stuff that we have to lean into as humans. And and that episode in particular was very heartfelt and makes for difficult listening at times. I guess my nerves have lessened over the time and I've kind of leaned in and started to enjoy it. And some of the secrets of success that have come through I think in capturing them in the way that I'm going to share them in a minute will help you to see which ones you want to take and which ones, you know, you perhaps need to do some work on in order to be able to move forward. So we've got eight in total. There have been many, many more. But I've tried to capture the ones that have perhaps been repeated, maybe not in the same words, but in the same guise over the different episodes that we've run. We've had 44 guests in total over the 50 episodes. The other episodes have been just me, myself, and I, or me with my coaching clients. And so let me share with you now the eight secrets of success, which I share with no order of priority or importance. I'm just simply allowing you to see what the different people have said. So we're going to start off with the first one, which is to have humility or to stay humble. So this very much coming from that place of keeping your feet on the ground, something that my granddad always used to say to me when I was a little girl. This was something that has been mentioned throughout the podcast by many, but was a specific success criteria for the wonderful Mary Appleton from Change Board, John Verge, the CEO said this one, and Emma Darby from Vodafone. They all use this idea of humility and staying humble as being one of the keys. I guess humility can be a bit of a double-edged sword. So I always discuss this with my husband in terms of making sure that humility doesn't hold you back from championing yourself because I think that's one of the things that it can drive. And I see that in my clients quite a lot. And then they feel overlooked and undervalued as a result. So, you know, have humility so that you don't go onto the side of arrogance, but be sure to step up and speak about the things that you're doing too, such that 
you don't become invisible. The next one is about fear and lots of people mentioned fear as something that holds them back. And of course, that's really natural, isn't it? And I've just written a book which is out shortly and it's called You're Better Than You Think You Are. And I'm talking about the shackles that hold people back. And one of the biggest shackles is the fear shackle. And there are lots of different arms and legs to it. But many of the guests on the podcast, including the lovely Mike Beecham from Davines and Emma Darby again from Vodafone, have said about not giving in to fear. And even though you feel it, it's really important that you step over the line of it. And the gorgeous Emma Dark, who at the time was working at ASOS, was talking about this idea of feeling the fear, but doing it anyway. And that even though it feels incredibly uncomfortable, actually in stepping over the line of fear and getting on with it, you realize that it wasn't ever as bad as you thought it was going to be. So that's a key one. There were lots of people, including the lovely Laura Walker, Simon Gerhardt, who talked to us a lot about his running journey, and Kathy from Fitflop talked about determination and drive. This kind of essence of working hard and keeping working hard and, you know, never giving up really. This, this drive and determination to see things through has been a key factor for many. It's certainly a key factor of my journey. I wish I could discover this four-hour working week that people talk about, but I haven't yet and still have determination and drive as one of my biggest success factors. So I can really understand and share really that idea of determination and drive being a secret to success. I love this one that came from Ursula and was echoed by Oliver Cock and from Mike Beecham too. And this is about finding what's special about you. So, you know, we can all focus on the things that we believe is wrong with us or that, you know, we can do the comparison trap and look at what's wonderful about everything else and have them hold a mirror up to the things that we lack. But actually finding that one thing or two things that are really special about you as an individual and bringing those to the fore in everything that you do helps you to see your value, helps you to see your worth, but also helps other people to notice what's amazing about you too. So maybe if you haven't discovered that yet, and, and I know there are lots of people that haven't, then spend some time thinking over the Christmas period about what's your special thing. How do you bring you know, your wonder, I suppose, into the world. The next one is about the definition of success. And it was Pim Van Barsen who brought this one to the fore during the podcast. And I absolutely love it. It's something that I talk to clients about. Often we are judging ourselves and measuring ourselves against a success parameter that has been set by somebody else for us, whether that is society, whether that's parents, whether that's partners, whether that's bosses, but we can be influenced by those we've grown up with and those that we work with to think about what success should mean for us. And I hate the word should. And what I loved about what Pim said is that actually in order to determine 
what the secret of success is for you. You have to know how you define success. And, and I'd ask you to think about defining it through your own eyes. What I say to clients all the time is that we follow a set of rules that are imposed upon us by others and we take them on subconsciously as being ours and then beat ourselves with a stick when we break those rules. And actually determining your own principles for life and how you want to live is really important. And one of those is indeed the determination or the definition, I should say, of your own success. So I really like that one. And I think it's one that is worth us all giving some thought to. So the next one is about being a learn-it-all. And it's something that was coined by Microsoft. And Scott Allen brought it to the fore for us. Indeed, so did Lucy Chamberlain and Chris Chidley and Sally Ely also touched on this one. This idea of being open to learning and to always approaching things, I suppose, with a newbie mindset. I love it. I love this idea of rather than being the know-it-all, be the one that is open to continually developing and learning new skills and such, you know, to the point that you always think that there is somebody around you that you can learn from. And I think this ties in really well with the respect piece as well. Often people will say to me in coaching sessions, I've lost respect for such and such a person in my organization. And I, I like to challenge that because I think when we're in a place where we lose respect for people, or at least that's what we tell ourselves, then it's never a good position to be in because actually you start projecting that and, and your team and your people can pick up on that. So challenge yourself around what can you learn from these people? Even if you feel like you've lost respect, notice the good. Notice what you can take from that individual and how you can apply it to your own journey. And then we come into what I believe are kind of the killer two, really. And I find these two super interesting. So the seventh one that I'm going to share is about being authentic and really taking off the mask. And I know how difficult this is because I've had to learn how to do it myself. And the version of me that existed in the corporate arena was quite aggressive. She was quite hard, all in an acted way, and never actually with my own team. So there was kind of two halves. There was the half of me that led a team. And then there was a half of me that faced into the senior leaders and the exec. And those two people were different. And I kind of regret that now and wish that I'd led more with the heart and the backbone combined. And I was really feeling like I needed to be something in order to fit in. And, and don't get me wrong, that did lead to a level of success. And so it begs the question, if you can get on in life without being authentic, then what's the need? But what it does is it creates a conflict internally. And it also means that people struggle to trust you because you're not being true to yourself. And I think Peter Zorn brought this through brilliantly when he talked about it. And lots and lots of people, Ruth and Ursula and John and Emma and Matthew, all brought this through. So this idea of being authentic takes a lot of soul searching. 
It means that you have to dig really deeply in order to understand who you are, what you're about, and then take it back to that stepping over the line of fear to be able to take that mask off and start to show up how you truly are. And know that you can do that without everything falling apart, without people starting to catch you out or call you out. So I think it's one of those experiments where, again, you know, going into that be a learn it all, you have to learn through doing with authenticity and just trust yourself to take small steps forward into the true version of you such that you can test and trial your reactions or the people reactions and grow into it. And, you know, I feel now having had just over two years out of the corporate and consulting arena that I've really grown into who I am. I'm prepared to put myself out there as the version of me that I've always been underneath. And you know what's really interesting about that is I still have relationships and still get work, more work than I ever got as a consultant with really great organizations, with really great people who trust me to have their back and to do the right thing for them. And so, you know, my bringing my heart to the fore has actually been of benefit, even though I've been really scared to do that at times. And so I encourage you to think about if you are taking a different version of you into the workplace, or indeed, there's a different version of you existing at home, just take some steps forward into who you truly are and just see what that does in terms of your success. And the final one, I find this one fascinating, you know, the final one is one that has been put forward by so many men on the podcast and by not one woman. Now, I find that really fascinating and I understand it having coached both males and females in my coaching room. Women tend to be more held back by self-doubt and that's a huge generalization I know so you know forgive me while we go down this route but it's actually true based on the people that I've had in my coaching room women are more held back by the inner critic more held back by what people think and can be more held back by doubt and so this final secret to success which has been you know, attributed by most of the men that I've had in the podcast is that the secret to success is to believe in yourself because it's your only limitation. You know, and it's something that Panow from Prep brought to the, the fore, Ian did, Chris Chidley did, Simon did. We heard it from John. We heard it from John Ainsworth very recently, from Scott. So many of our male guests have said, The secret is to believe in yourself. And it's interesting that so many of the women on the podcast have suggested throughout the narrative that they really struggle to do that and that fear and doubt get in the way. I feel like it's something that we can all work on, you know, because nobody is born with self-belief. I remember having an interesting debate with David from 11FS who, you know, said that he just doesn't let fear and doubt in his way and believes in himself completely. And I'd love to understand 
the program that sits behind that because if more of us could run that program every day it'd be wonderful and I think self-talk really does come into this so you know Pana was saying that to believe in yourself you've you've got to do it in order to be able to succeed and part of that is through the self-talk and through the dialogue that you have with that inner critic every day and this is why I encourage people so often to think about affirmational thinking to think about reframing thoughts to understand when they're using cognitive distortion and this is all stuff that I cover in the new book which I'll just do another shameless plug for now you're better than you think you are because it does lead into this idea of believing in yourself so whether you be a woman or whether you be a man or you know whatever what I want you to think about is are you believing in yourself as much as you possibly can be because if you're not start to work on that inner voice and start to banish that self-doubt that is holding you back because you really will flourish as a result. So there we have it. Our eight different secrets to success. We have stay humble, don't give in to fear, have determination and drive, find what's special about you, determine the definition of your own success, be a learn-it-all, be authentic, and believe in yourself. There is probably another book to be written, sharing those in more detail. Who knows? I might get to that in the next year or someone else might do it for me. (laughs) But for now, at least you have them and you can reflect and think about how they help or deter you. Now, if you do need help, I'm always here in my role as the life coach. But also I have something called the Project Me Academy, which is a 12-month online program supported by a Facebook community that allows you to work through my program, which is about unleashing your absolute potential. So it works out, where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's the gap? How do we close the gap? It digs under the skin. It gets practical. It builds a life plan. It focuses on what I call the business as usual so that you make progress within the month. And it is going to be fabulous. More than 100 people have already signed up and I'd love you to come on board too. It starts on the 1st of January. So register now. You can find the details by clicking the link in the show notes. And I really hope that you can come on board and join that. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. And let's hope that our new year brings some great news about COVID. And just thank you really for listening and supporting the podcast and for being so gracious in the feedback that you've given to all the wonderful guests. Thank you to my guests for being open and honest and transparent and just lovely and for making my life very easy throughout. And All I would ask now is that you go on and leave us a five-star review. These really make a difference, particularly on Apple. And so if you can just take a few moments to do that, I would be immensely grateful. Take really good care of you and of yours, and I will see you in the new year. 
And my goodness, what a great first guest I've got for you to kick off our series in 2021. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.